0: Hey everyone, welcome to Holistic
1: Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and today is episode number two of our Celebrating Menstruation series. I'm very excited to be talking to you today about all things menstruation. We are going to be talking about talking to your daughter and your son about menstruation. We're going to be talking about charting your cycle and natural remedies for dealing with difficult periods plus environmentally friendly ways to catch the flow. And before we part company today, I want to tell you how to register to win a menstrual cup. I am giving away three menstrual cups here at the end of our series, and I'm very excited to be able to do this. So I would love to be able to give one to you. So stay tuned, and I will tell you how to enter your name to win that. So let's get started. So I remember as a teenager, as a preteen, sitting in the living room with my family, like my dad over there in his recliner, just kick back watching TV. And then all of a sudden, what would come on but a tampon commercial. And as a young girl, the horror, the embarrassment, oh my god, I wished that the earth would just open up and swallow me. Like it was mortifying and like the commercial would go on forever it would like never end and you know it's like we are taught from a young age that menstruation is shameful and embarrassing and it should be hidden and so to be so exposed as a young girl you know just the whole idea of my dad sitting in the same room with me as we're listening to a commercial about tampons Oh, the horror, the horror. Oh, it's terrible. But, you know, honestly, a lot of girls actually get their education from things like commercials because they don't get the education from their parents or the education doesn't come soon enough. And so their only exposure is to commercials on TV. And then when menstruation finally happens, it's very different than the sterile environment of the commercial with the white and the blue dyed water and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's not like that at all. (laughs) Menstruation is messy, you know, and we should celebrate that. It's part of the natural process. So let's talk a little bit about how to talk to your daughter about menstruation. One of the most common, probably the easiest conversation to have with her is how to deal with the flow. What do you do with it? You get a pad or you get tampons. This is normal, right? So that's a pretty standard conversation for parents to have with their kids, with their daughters. But what's really scary for kids is it's like this weird thing that's going to happen like they're going to start bleeding from their vagina right that's a scary thing and you know it's with puberty you know it's coming you have no idea when you don't know what it's going to feel like it's going to happen without your control you have no control over this and having additional information education about the process and what's happening and why can be so reassuring to a young girl. So I think one of the important things to talk about, and there's actually several things, so let's, let's hit on them here real quick. So there's like a whole range of normal, and there is something that I like to call the myth of the 28-day cycle, which we'll go into that more here in just a minute. But when people in general, we'll just say people in general, talk about menstruation, they often refer to it as a 28-day cycle, which can very conveniently put ovulation right smack in the middle of the cycle. And unfortunately, you know, most of us don't have a textbook cycle. And so when a young girl hears that what's normal is a 28-day cycle, then that's not what happens for her. She can feel like there's something wrong with her, which may not be the case. You know, every woman has their own range of normal. And part of what we're going to be talking about today is how you can discover what that range of normal is for yourself or in the case of educating your daughter about menstruation will be an opportunity to educate her about how to find out what is normal for her. Something else that I think is important for girls to know is that menstruation, the hormones related to it, can impact not only our physical body, but also our emotional body. It can affect the way that we feel, the way that we think. And also, sometimes menstruation can make you physically sick. It can be uncomfortable. And so I think it's useful for girls to have that information. I remember when I was a teenager, having a couple of periods that just really kicked my butt, like just sick, like physically ill. And yeah, it's rough. It can be really rough. And so knowing that this kind of stuff can happen, maybe might make it a little bit more scary, but at the same time, I believe knowledge is power, and so I think that it's important for girls to realize that if they do experience uncomfortable symptoms in relation to menstruation, that they don't have to suffer through it, and I think that this is something that's really important for girls to know because, you know, as adult women, by the time we hit menopause, we know that we can go ask for help, you know, it's like we're not going to suffer too long before we go to our doctor and discuss our symptoms, right? So girls who are starting to experience menstruation for the first times their menstrual period could be very different each time and they may be suffering and they don't know that they can go and ask for help and when they do ask for help something that often happens is that the doctor wants to put them on birth control pills because that will quote unquote regulate their cycle it doesn't resolve any of the issues, it just gives them a hormone, you know, artificial hormone controlled period. So they don't cycle naturally, which in my opinion, I would much rather have young girls cycling naturally because I want their, there's, you know, their hormonal system to develop, you know, this is normal, natural for them. And so I don't want to suppress or control their hormones kind of thing. So definitely... When it comes to solving menstrual problems, there are avenues that you may want to explore before you go knocking on your doctor's door. All right, so what else? So menstruation is something that society teaches us to hide. And so this is something that, you know, will be up to you to kind of combat as far as helping your daughter feel more comfortable about her body and her cycle because society teaches us that it's shameful, it needs to be hidden, it's dirty, it's unclean, all these kinds of things. And so you get to push back against that. And when it comes to boys, I think it's important for boys to be educated about the female body also. And I think that if we're talking to our sons about menstruation, our boys, about menstruation, that it can help break some of the shame and the tabooness that is surrounding menstruation. You know, boys, they giggle, everything is hilarious, right? And so I think having these conversations, you know, maybe relating it to what they might be feeling and as part of their puberty process, you know, testosterone is a powerful hormone and it can make them feel differently than what they're accustomed to. You know, anger tends to be an emotion that testosterone will, you know, is makes it easier to tap into kind of thing. And so they may notice these sorts of things. And so you can use these kinds of connections to help build empathy because, you know, sometimes menstruation is uncomfortable and the girls may not feel well and we are taught to pretend that everything is normal. It's just like another day. It's, you know, we can wear white and go dancing through the field, you know, like in the tampon commercial. Right. So I think it's important for boys to realize that this is not what menstruation is really like the stuff that they're seeing in the commercials is not what menstruation is really like. It's a normal natural part of being female It is controlled by hormones, and little acts of kindness can go a long ways. (laughs) You know, if somebody is having a rough day, if they're having their period, a small act of kindness can really make everything seem better. Now, as you're talking to your daughter about menstruation, you know, start with the basics and layer in complexity as girls mature. So you're going to want to start having these conversations somewhere around the age of eight years old because some girls do get their period that early. Luckily, most don't, but some definitely do. And it's important for girls to know that this is coming because when young girls don't get any information from their parents or that information doesn't arrive in time, it can be a terrifying experience to go to the bathroom, wipe after going pee and coming up with all this red blood. Oh my God. You know, there's been young girls sitting in the bathroom at school thinking that they're dying. And it's actually, it's very sad to think of having to experience that without any guidance from any of the elder women in her community. Very sad. So information requirements for a girl of, you know, say 8 to 10 years old are very different than, say, a girl from 14 to 16. As the girls get older, then they need to have the information that comes along with ovulation. So they need to know that, you know, how all this stuff works. So we're not going to go into all of that today, but if you are interested in learning all of these details, which I do highly recommend, I put together a webinar a couple of years ago that I basically just wanted to do like a brain dump of everything that I knew about the female cycle and give that information away. So I will tell you how to get that. Um, Basically, the way to get it is just go to the website, look in the show notes, and I'll have all that stuff posted there for you. I'll tell you more about that later. But for right now, um, basically... What I want to do is just kind of like talk about like information that we take for granted that girls may not know when they first start getting their period. Like, for example, menstruation happens more than once. It's not a one and done kind of thing. This is a cycle. It comes every month. And there are a lot of other things happening besides what you can see. You know, menstruation is very visible. But there's definitely all sorts of hormonal things going through the course of the the rest of the cycle. Something else that's really important to realize is that cycles can vary from cycle to cycle. So, for example, let's say you have a regular cycle that comes in at 30 days. All right, and then this is what's consistent for you. But what happens sometimes is, I don't know, the sun and the moon, the stars, the planets align differently. There's some kind of change in the universe. There's some kind of change in your life. Hard to say exactly. But sometimes your body will throw you a curveball. And what it will do is ovulate at a time that you aren't necessarily expecting. Now, if you are somebody who tracks the symptoms that that are leading up to ovulation, you may catch that. And then you'll know that there's been a little change in your cycle and you'll know exactly when to expect your period. But for somebody who doesn't track their cycle and or goes on averages of their cycle, aka the rhythm method, if you don't know what the rhythm method is, it is basically um, laws of averages. So you take the average length of your cycle. So, you know, 28 days, 29 days, 30 days, you add them together, you average it out and you get your average monthly cycle. And basically you're making educated guesses around when you're fertile. So we'll talk more about that here in a bit, but I don't recommend educated guesses when it comes to trying to avoid conception. So anyway, note for another day. But uh, let's see here. So just because your cycle is regular right now doesn't mean it always will be. Cycles can change over time. So as a girl gets her, you know, gets puberty and her cycles will likely stabilize over time and become more predictable and regular in her 20s. And then as she gets into her 40s, Approaching 50, then she's going to start shifting in towards menopause. And so there's changes over time. But then there's also the smaller changes of cycle to cycle. You know, as I mentioned, there is this hormonal dance that's happening in the background that determines when ovulation will occur and when menstruation will come. Knowing when to expect your period is can be a godsend. <laughs> honestly, because you can plan, you can plan around that. So in general, it's a really good idea to track the first day of every period. This is called, quote unquote, day one of your cycle. And we'll talk more about this in actually the webinar that I mentioned. We'll talk a lot about day one of your cycle. But for right now, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are gonna talk about the basics of cycle education. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey,
1: everyone. We're back. So I would like to go over just some of the basics about the female menstrual cycle. Okay? So first of all, the average cycle is roughly a month long. And it will vary between individuals People who have a regular cycle will find out where they kind of come in at. For me personally, I had an average cycle of 27 to 29 days. And it was consistent like that for years with the exception of the occasional curveball out of the blue for no reason. So menstruation is the most obvious event of the cycle However, there is lots going on. There are fertile fluids happening as uh, ovulation approaches, of course, ovulation. And then there is the post-ovulatory phase where the uterus gets ready to receive a fertilized egg if one happens to get fertilized. And if it doesn't, then the hormones decline and decrease and menstruation follows suit. And these symptoms that the body is putting out over the course of the cycle, can be monitored and tracked so that you can predict ovulation to, with varying degrees of accuracy depending on how specific you want to be. If you want to be very specific, it is possible to pinpoint ovulation within about 12 hours or so, yeah, 12 to 24 hours. And then once you're able to determine when ovulation is happening, then menstruation becomes much more predictable because ovulation always happens before menstruation. Menstruation is the result of conception not occurring that cycle. So let's talk a little bit about tracking your cycle. So like I said before, the first day of your full menstrual flow is considered to be, quote-unquote, day one of your cycle. If you're spotting a little bit before you get your full flow, I wouldn't count the spotting as day one. Unless it really, really felt like a day one, I would go with the full flow. And you're going to want to keep track of this information on a calendar of some sort. I know these days we are pretty much, all of us are digital, but you can do a paper calendar. There's lots of pretty journals that you can use. Um, There's some great calendars, like pocket calendars out there. There's also period tracker apps, which, you know, the apps can be cool. Um, One thing you do want to be careful about is, though, um, you know, for young girls, this isn't so much of a concern. However, well, let let me rephrase that. So basically, with the apps, let me just tell you what the problems are. One is they're essentially a fancy rhythm method. They are a lot of them, most of them are basically taking your cycle averages and doing a computerized average instead of a you know individual doing you know calculator pen paper whatever. So it's a computerized version of the rhythm method, which is fine if you're not going to make contraceptive decisions on that information. If you're going to make contraceptive decisions, whether or not to use your condom, that sort of thing, then I definitely don't recommend it unless it's designed to help people not get pregnant. A lot of these apps are made to help women get pregnant. So for your daughter, if you have a teenager, you probably don't want to use one of those apps. You probably want one that is going to be designed, made for a teenager. And right now, my favorite one for that one is, it's called OKY. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes for you. So why bother tracking your cycle? Well, I think for me personally, one of the biggest things was that helped me to stay connected to my body. Plus, it Taught me so much about my body. It was pretty amazing. And you know, if you go to the doctor's office, like say for your pap smear or whatever, one of the first things that your doctor is going to ask you is, When was your last period? (laughs) So, you know, there's medical reasons for this information, there is personal reasons. You know, maybe you'll be less likely to get caught in a white pair of jeans with no tampon, right? And it's, you know, it's just a good habit to get into so that when you do become sexually active or when your daughter does become sexually active, which, you know, of course, we hope that's like 27, right? That she will be in the habit of keeping track of her cycle already. And this can help reduce anxiety around like, say, late periods and things like that, because you know, hey. The universe does throw curveballs sometimes and it will make your period late even though you're not pregnant. So there's different kinds of charts that you can use. You know, just like I said, the plain old calendar, the charting, the period apps. And one of my favorite ones was a moon chart. I had this moon chart that I got in the mail from, uh, I'll have to look up the name of the company. I'll post that in the show notes too. But there was like, Every day of the month for the whole year was laid out on the sheet and every day had its moon phase with a date right there next to it. And so what I would do is when I was bleeding, I would color in those moons red and then I would figure out when I ovulated and color that in green. And it was just really fun to see like over the years, like how my cycle lined up with the new and the full moon, because it would kind of like go on a diagonal. It was really cool to see. So that was really fun. So let's talk a little bit about diet. So this is probably no surprise, right, okay? Let's avoid like the inflammatory, unhealthy foods and substances like sugar, white flour, processed food, red meats, fatty, greasy foods, alcohol, caffeine, nicotine, you know, all these things that we just don't need to like put in our body. These things make menstruation more painful a lot of them are inflammatory foods or substances and you know especially for teenager we, we are assuming that they're not going to be consuming alcohol or nicotine that sort of thing but i just want to add those to the list because teenagers do sometimes consume these things and if they're having a lot of problems with their cycle this might be something worth mentioning something you want to focus on is iron rich foods especially before or just after menstruation things like steamed kale, collards, turnips, mustard, beets, dandelion greens, any dark leafy green is going to be high in iron and if you steam them that's going to help make the iron more available to your cells, more bioavailable. Other things that are high in iron are things like miso, unhulled sesame seeds, Sesame seeds are actually super high in calcium too, like really high, like way higher than milk. they it's pretty amazing. Raisins are high in iron. Also the seaweed, sea vegetables, you know, also very high in trace minerals. Watercress, parsley. Seaweed is also high in iodine, which is essential for women. So that's also very important. Other, um, You know, if you don't, if if your iron levels run low, like if you're a heavy bleeder and you tend to bleed a lot, that this can deplete your resources. Um, Herbs also can be a really great source of minerals, and we'll talk about some herbs here in just a second. Other minerals that can be really useful are magnesium in particular. Magnesium, especially if you have cramps, it can help to relax the smooth muscles, Magnesium, calcium, vitamin D all work together, so you might want to check on your levels um, of those. And let's take a look at some herbs here. One of my favorite herbal teas for, for minerals, basically, is nettle leaf tea. It's very high in iron, calcium. It's one of those dark leafy greens. Um, and you can actually you can cook nettle greens, too, actually. Uh, all these herbs that I'm going to be talking about here are appropriate for girls. As I mentioned, sea vegetables like dulse, kelp, you know, have very high in trace minerals. Iodine is really great. If you're having problems with cramps, cramp bark can be really useful. Also, catnip can be good and it can be used to flavor other teas as well and oat straw again this one is another one that is full of trace minerals chamomile if you're having you know some stress if you're having cramping if you're having trouble sleeping chamomile is very relaxing and can help you sleep burdock root is very high in iron and it is great for the skin so if you have problems with acne and stuff it can be very purifying for the skin Um, I believe I already mentioned catnip, but it tastes good. So it can be added to other herbs and made, you know, blends can make it taste better. If you have trouble with your hormones, if things are out of balance or very difficult, I probably wouldn't give this to a girl who just started menstruating. But if you have a teenager who's kind of struggling with her period, you might consider giving her some Vitex to 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 help regulate the hormones. It's Good for balancing estrogen and progesterone, and it's one of these herbs where it just has like a really balancing, equalizing effect. And so even if you don't know like what exactly is out of balance, it just has the ability just to kind of like bring things back to center. Something else that is really good is motherwort. This one actually is really great for moms because it helps with like stress, anxiety, can help like just take things down a notch, but it can also be very useful for cramps. It's often used as a tincture and so I tend to think of tinctures as something more for adults which we will um, we'll talk about the different ways of using herbs in just a second. And finally Also, yarrow is a good herb if there is a lot of heavy bleeding. So that can help to um, regulate bleeding. Another herb that I really like and tastes pretty good is red raspberry leaf. This herb is a uterine tonic. And so it can help with cramps, excess bleeding. It can just help to normalize things. So all those herbs are really great for different menstrual things and how to prepare them. So let's talk a little bit on how to prepare herbs. So there's, you have a couple options here. One, you could buy a store-bought tea, but keep in mind that tea is not medicinal. It might taste good, but it's not really viewed as a medicinal tea. Now, ways that you can get a medicinal tea well, it might be to use what's in the tea bags and make it stronger So basically when I am going to prepare a medicinal tea, what I usually will do is I like to buy the herbs in bulk, especially if I'm going to be using them on an ongoing basis because it can add up and be a little bit costly. So one of my favorite places to get herbs from is Mountain Rose Herbs. You can order the herbs online their online business. And they'll send you, you know, I think the smallest size that you can get is four ounces, which if you're going to use a tea on a regular basis, that's a good amount to start with. And what you'll want to do, it's going to depend on what you're using for herbs. For example, flowers and leaves you can make in a medicinal infusion. So what is a medicinal infusion? It is a medicinal tea. So what you do is, for example, prepare a, a quart at a time. And you'll place your herbs in the jar. You'll boil your water first. Then you'll pour that boiled water into the jar and put the lid on the jar and leave it there for at least 20 minutes. And then you'll strain the herbs out. You have a nice, strong, medicinal-quality tea. And if you're using herbs from, like, say, for example, Mountain Rose Herbs, those are really high-quality. You're going to have a good medicinal tea right there. A tea is basically flavored water, and so to get a tea, what you do is you boil your water, you put it over your herbs, and you let it steep for, I don't know, five minutes, a few minutes, not too long, whatever, and so it is a flavored tea, but it doesn't capture as the medicinal properties the same way that the infusion does. Another form of ting- of Uh, taking herbs is tinctures. And so this is an alcoholic extract. So depending on your teenager, you might not want that. I don't know, you know, you'll have to decide. But some herbs do extract their properties better into alcohol. For example, one herb that is really well known to help decrease heavy bleeding is called shepherd's purse. This particular herb works best as a tincture. And it's often been used by midwives during childbirth to help stop the bleeding after the baby's born. And it works very well at that. And so, depending on how you want to use the herb, depending on what is the best method to extract the herb, for example, if you are making a medicinal concoction of Roots or bark, you would make what is called a decoction. And so what that is is you put your herb your your roots or your bark in water, put it on the stove, and slowly simmer the water for a period of time. I would follow the instructions, probably twenty minutes, give or take, so that you are, you know, Putting additional heat on the herbs because, you know, the woodiness of the bark and the roots make it harder to extract the medicinal qualities than, say, the flowers and leaves, which are a more fragile plant structure. So hopefully that makes sense. Any good herb book will tell you exactly what to do, and lots of herb stores will have these things prepared for you, including Mountain Rose. They do have a lot of this stuff prepared for you. Some of my favorite herb books, I'm just going to run through these real quick, and I'll post the links in the show notes. One is Deb Sewell. She has some really great herbal remedies, recipes. It's called Roots of Healing, Rosemary Gladstar, Herbal Healing for Women, Susan Weed. I'm always a huge fan of Susan Weed. She actually will be on our series here coming right up shortly. And you might want to check out her books called Down There and The Childbearing Year. Both are excellent. And finally, Amanda McQuaid Crawford, Herbal, Ealing, Herbal Remedies for Women. So I will add all of those to the show notes. So stay tuned. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the hormonal connection.
0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive brain that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey everyone, we're back. So let's talk a little bit about the
1: hormonal connection. We know that puberty is, of course, controlled by hormones. Estrogen in particular and for women or girls and testosterone in particular for boys. There are, of course, other hormones in play and, you know, sometimes we can forget how challenging this stage of life really was. And, you know, we can see our kids struggling as they make their way through it. But, you know, we have to have some compassion for them because it is a challenging time. You know, hormones affect our body, our physiology, in so many ways. They make us hungry, tired, energetic, angry, sexy. They give us the ability to run away from danger and lift things that we could normally never lift. There are feel-good hormones, there are bonding hormones. Hormones are part of our biochemistry. We can't live without them. And of course, the menstrual cycle is controlled by hormones. Puberty is triggered by a chain of hormonal events. And the menstrual cycle is controlled by a variety of hormones and feedback loops that regulate the cycle. So for women, there are four main hormones in play. So first of all, at the very beginning of the cycle, after menstruation is complete or as menstruation is winding down, we have follicle-stimulating hormone, which starts to increase. And what it does is it stimulates the ovaries. And as the egg follicles in the ovary start to develop, they release estrogen. And as the estrogen levels rise, it triggers, there's like a little switch in the brain that says, oh, we got enough estrogen now, so we can like turn off the follicle-stimulating hormone and turn the dial up on, Luteinizing hormone. Now, the job of luteinizing hormone is to suppress all but the most ripe egg and cause it to finish ripening and release to burst from the ovary. And the moment that it bursts from the ovary is called ovulation. Once ovulation occurs, there's a little hole in the ovary and luteinizing hormone will act on that hole, that injury in the ovary, and will turn it into this little yellow body that produces progesterone. Now, progesterone is very, very important. Without progesterone, pregnancy is not possible. So what progesterone does is it takes the uterine lining. So the uterus got ready when the estrogen levels were high and then once the estrogen levels decreased when they when ovulation happened what happened was the ovary turned the injury into something called the corpus luteum which means little yellow body it's latin and the job of the corpus luteum is to produce progesterone Now, progesterone is an essential hormone for pregnancy. What it does is once progesterone starts to be produced, it will finish preparing the uterine lining the rest of the way so that it's like juicy and ready to receive a fertilized egg, if that happens. Now, of course, we are dealing with young girls here, so this should not be an issue. Now, as the egg deteriorates. It's only capable of fertilization for about 24 hours. So the egg will break down. There's no connection made between sperm and egg. So there's no chemical message sent to the brain to tell the corpus luteum to continue to produce progesterone. Now, because that message does not get sent, what happens is, is the ovary heals over. So as the ovary is healing the progesterone levels are decreasing. And once they fall below a certain level, menstruation happens and the uterine lining is shed. This is what results in the menstrual blood. Then the cycle starts all over. So this is the dance that the female body goes through each month. We go through the follicle-stimulating hormone, getting the ovaries ready, the estrogen levels rising which triggers the luteinizing hormone, which suppresses all but the most ripe egg and causes ovulation to happen. It causes the transformation of the injury in the ovary to produce progesterone, so it becomes the corpus luteum, which, whose job is to produce progesterone. When fertilization does not occur, the progesterone levels decline as the ovary heals over, and the result is menstruation. It's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about the symptoms of ovulation because these hormones have a direct impact on the body and cause changes, cause symptoms that we can see, identify, monitor, record, and use to make decisions with. So basically, when estrogen levels are rising, what happens is that there is a change in cervical fluids. Now, some women who don't realize that this is happening may think that they are having repeat vaginal infections. It could be yeast infections, bacterial infections, because they are experiencing discharge, and sometimes a lot of it, and it can be very distressing. However, what they may not know is this is 100% normal. As our estrogen levels rise, there are changes in our cervical fluids. One, there's a lot more of it. First of all, it starts out, it's creamy, white, you know, kind of lotion-y. And it may even, it could even be more like rubber glue, like kind of that sticky uh, rubber paste kind of stuff. And then as estrogen levels rise, the cervical fluids become creamier smoother wetter stretchier eventually the most fertile mucus you can stretch it like a clear it's like egg white it's like clear stretchy it's it's pretty amazing stuff and then once ovulation happens it dries up and it happens really fast it dries up really fast it's kind of crazy now every woman's body is going to be a little bit different and you got to find out what's normal for you And that's why charting your cycle can be super, super helpful. Now, as progesterone levels increase, it increases something called the basal body temperature. Now, what is that exactly? Basal body temperature is the body's resting temperature. So as you are in bed sleeping, you've slept for more more than three hours when you wake up, before you move, before you do anything, if you were to stick a thermometer, a digital thermometer in your mouth, and record your temperature, that would be your basal body temperature. Now, when ovulation occurs, the progesterone that's being released by the corpus luteum will increase this temperature very slightly by a few tenths of a degree. And it will keep that body temperature elevated for the rest of the cycle, as long as the corpus luteum continues to produce progesterone. Now, when a woman charts this basal body temperature for the course of her entire cycle, so, you know, the 28-day cycle, whatever the case may be, she can determine when ovulation has occurred. So basically what it does, so basal body temperature can give you information that will confirm the passage of ovulation now it doesn't give warning for impending ovulation so it doesn't tell you that it's coming the cervical fluids can tell you that but the basal body temperature can confirm that ovulation actually did happen and so that can be very useful because then at that point once you know ovulation has happened You can spend a couple cycles to figure out how long your post luteal phase actually is, which for most, it's you have to have at least 11 days in order for the cycle to function properly. So, most people, it tends to be, you know, 12, 13, 14, something like that. So, once you figure that out, it's going to be fairly consistent going forward. This is going to be like what's normal for you. So once you figure out what's normal for you and you've identified that ovulation actually happened, then your period will arrive that many days later. So whether it's 12 days later, 14 days later, whatever the case may be, that's how you can tell exactly when your period is gonna be. Now for girls who have irregular cycles or a lot of PMS symptoms, this is a suggestion that there's imbalance in the hormones. And you can use some of the dietary things that we spoke about, some of the herbs to see if you can get things to balance out. My goodness, there is just so much to talk about and I am running out of time here. So let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I will tell you about the giveaway and environmentally friendly ways of catching the flow. So stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to holisticsexedradio.com to get access today.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey, everyone. We're back. So everyone knows that there is, of course,
1: menstrual pads and tampons are the most common way to catch the flow. But there are definitely concerns about them, about dioxins, about chemicals, about the environment, the impact that they have in manufacturing. So taking that into consideration, what else can we do? Well, you can use cloth pads. So basically those are reusable. They can be a little bit annoying to clean and that sort of thing, but totally can be done. They also make natural fiber tampons. Like for example, some women will use sponges. There's also organic fibers like cotton, cotton tampons. And then there is something new called menstrual cups, which are pretty cool actually i wish that they were available when i was doing my menstrual thing i don't bleed anymore but you know these were they're really cute some of them (laughs) i'm actually i'm giving away a box of i have three boxes here of the fun cup menstrual cup explore kit so this is size a and b so two different sizes come in the box it's made in germany They made it out of 100% body-safe silicone. It's vegan. It's waterproof. They give you a little antimicrobial bag to carry them around in, and it's two sizes, so 20 milliliters and 30 milliliters. So you get to see which one works best for you. And these, I think, would be a perfect gift for a teenage girl And, you know, these are environmentally friendly. They're safe. You know, they're they're worth like 40 bucks. So you spend 40 bucks to get a kit that's got your menstrual cups, and then you get to use them for years. How awesome is that? I think that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, so we're going to give away the menstrual cups. There's lots of different kinds these days. There's different sizes. There's different shapes. Um, The Fun Kit one, it's actually, it's a really cute, cute cup actually but if you'd like to uh, a chance to win you can just go to holisticsexedradio.com and check out the link at the top for giveaway and you can just go right there and enter your name to win there is ways that you can put your name in multiple times for example you can share on social media that'll give you extra points towards the prize Um, you can subscribe to my show and leave me a comment. That'll give you some extra points. We have um, what else did we set up? We set up. Um, well, you can, you can check it out. There's lots of opportunities. You can come back every day for an extra bonus chance to win. So you can just go to the uh, the the giveaway page and click the little button, and it'll give you another chance uh, entry into the contest. So yeah, so there's lots of ways to win to participate. I would love it if you would share on social media. I totally appreciate Good Vibrations who helped me to get these kits to give away. So I would love to be able to support them. So if you want to order menstrual cups or if you want to order vibrator, sex toys, whatever, and... I've got links there for you to, uh, to go over to their website and support them. They're all about just using good products, conscious, environmentally friendly, body safe. They're, you know, they're a good company. So happy to support them. Glad that they were able to help me get the, uh, the menstrual cups. And it's been a real pleasure sharing with you today. I hope that this has been an informative conversation. I had more that I wanted to share, but I'm running out of time here. So I am going to leave you with the webinar that I created a while back for you, just for you. And it has everything I know about menstruation. It's a great webinar, lots of pictures, cool stuff to look at, and it will fill in all of those gaps. So I hope that you have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening. And again, go over to holisticsexedradio.com and check out the uh, the show notes for all those resources that we mentioned here today. I'm going to have all that stuff there for you. Sign up for the giveaway. And uh, yeah, if you've enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would subscribe and leave me a comment like on, uh, on iTunes or Spotify. All right. Have a beautiful day. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye.